Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. This is a full preview edition of the show as it is time for the second Clay Court Masters Tournament of the Year. Madrid is upon us. If you're new to the channel, these previews are very simple. I will go quarter by quarter, give you my projected quarterfinal and winner, a dark horse, an upset alert, a popcorn match, uh, and then I'll give you my semifinal and final projections. But I always like to start these videos by talking a little bit about what the criteria is, what I'm looking for when I'm picking these matches. And I actually decided to make a paper draw this time. I didn't make it. I printed it. Um, so I don't know how that's relevant. But let me just tell you a little bit about how I look at the Madrid Open as a tournament and what kind of players I think have um, more success there. You know, it's famous for being the clay court tournament that Rafael Nadal does not have that absolute stranglehold on. He's won it five times, uh, four times since the event switched to a clay court event in 2009. Prior to that year, it was actually an indoor hardcourt event, one that Roger Federer loved and won or, or had a lot of success at perennially. Nadal won that iteration of the event once. Uh, but since then, he has won it four times, which is still a lot. He's still, no one's ever won it more than five times. But uh, even if you look at the uh, the tournament champion since 2015, Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Djokovic. So here's a clay court masters that in the last five times it was held, I can't say five years because it wasn't held in 2020. In the last five times the tournament was held, Novak actually has more titles than Rafa. And you obviously normally can't say that on this surface. So it's known as that event that Nadal doesn't have a stranglehold on. And while it is true um, that the conditions are different, why? Well, first of all, it's uh, over 2,000 feet in terms of altitude. The ball flies through the air very, very quickly. Uh, everyone's cardio is, for the most part, compromised. It also has high walls. I find that, and I've never played on these courts, obviously, but it seems to me that the conditions are are very indoorsy because of how high and uh, it's not like a very open air stadium. It's not it's not indoors, right? But it's actually a retractable roof stadium with very, very high walls. So the wind is not really going to swirl in there much. It's also not, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's not so big that it really gives a lot of room for the wind to swirl around. So you have indoorsy conditions in terms of the architecture of the stadium court. You have high altitude, um, but you also still have that, obviously, clay court movement, aspects of clay court movement, and you still have the high bounce. Ultimately, I find that the surface ends up just playing very, very lively and a little bit more tilted towards offense compared to your typical clay court. So if... If you're looking at players who have a lot of success on clay courts by getting a lot of balls back into the court, they're grinders, they're consistent, they defend very well on the surface. These are not the kinds of clay quarters that I think really love Madrid. I think it's the more offensive-minded clay quarters that tend to have more success. The, the Nadal thing, 
is, in my opinion, a large percent of that is coincidental. It is true that Nadal has come up against a couple of players, uh, namely Stefano Tsitsipas and Dominic Team, in recent years who have put together these very overwhelming offensive performances that perhaps on other clay courts, Nadal could have weathered a little bit better and dug his teeth more into the match. But this is a surface where if, if someone's going to hit their forehand and serve really, really great uh, with, with high spin rates and um, a lot of power, they're very much so going to be rewarded on this kind of court. So I think he ran into Team Tsitsipas, two of the best offensive clay court players. Uh, Djokovic playing well as well. Um, Nadal has has run into some buzzsaws here, and the conditions maybe haven't given him as much of a chance to 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 dig his teeth in. Um, but I still think Nadal's good in Madrid. I think that a lot of it is just kind of coincidence that he just hasn't quite won this one as much. And the number five or four, however you want to put it, it's a little bit deflated because it was a hardcore event uh, starting in 2009 and Nadal was the best clay court player in the world starting in 2005. Um, so I think from, from that spiel, you should have a decent idea of how I view the conditions here. I do like offense. I do like serving. Uh, but I also want natural clay quarters. I want players who like to move on this surface. I want high spin rates. I want players who enjoy uh, a high bouncing court surface. But but a lively and a quicker clay court experience. So before I get into the quarter-by-quarter -quarter breakdown of the 2021 Madrid Open, here's this. I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's video, Tennis Clash. I've really always thought that tennis needs more great games. Well, this is one of them. It's here. It's a free mobile 1v1 tennis game with super high-end graphics and just a fun playing experience. You can play live against real players all around the world, and there's a lot of cool RPG elements that'll just get you hooked. It's addicting. It's on Android and it's on iOS. I have a Google Pixel here, so sometimes I get left out of the fun, but not with Tennis Clash. So make sure you download it free from the links in the description box down below to support my channel and get 200 gems and 500 gold. If you don't want to listen to me, just check out the app stores. Tennis Clash has great ratings, 4.3 in the Play Store, and it's become a massive worldwide hit with more than 60 million downloads worldwide. What I love about this game, and, and really what I love about tennis as a sport, is that I can play with different characters, and I get to decide what ability I want to focus on, forehand, backhand, movement. You know, do you know what you should do? Bring your favorite player out of retirement. Whoever your favorite player is, right? Mine is David Ferrer, so what am I going to do? I'm just going to jack up the agility, jack up the endurance, and, uh, you know, a little bit towards the forehand. Let's, let's bring them out of retirement. Let's... Let's just play like Ferrer. You can do that with however you want to play. So again, give this a try. Play against real players in the world's most famous tennis arenas. Make sure you download it for free using the link down in the description. To support my channel and get 
200 gems and 500 gold. That'll start you off in a better position. You want to be on that Coco Golf track. You want to be on that Yannick Sinner track. So make sure if you're going to download the game, which you should, use the link in the description and get 200 gems and 500 gold for supporting my channel. Good luck, and I will see you out there. Remember to grind. All right, thumbnail, La Caja Magica, right there, the Magic Castle. And let's get into this, starting with Rafael Nadal's quarter. The top seeds are Nadal himself, Alexander Zverev, Yannick Sinner, and Hubert Hercotch. Uh Let's see. Let's get into these guys individually first. We'll start with Nadal. I just want to talk about his path for a second. Um, and to do that, I'll skip right down to the early popcorn match. Nadal versus young Spaniard teenage Carlos Alcaraz, a potential second round match. One that I really think is going to happen. Alcaraz in the first round uh, drew Adrian Manorino, who's one of the best players you could possibly draw in a small 64-player uh, Masters field like this on clay because Manorino kind of stinks on clay. He's a you know, a very challenging player on certain surfaces, but certainly not clay. So I think Alcaraz has a great chance here to get what, what would actually be a huge win when it comes to rankings points. I mean, this is a, a master's main draw. So all of these wins are, are really important for both prize money, which he'll get his, uh, eventually don't worry. Uh, but also for rankings points, it'll be big for Alcaraz. I think this second round matchup, uh, is going to come to fruition. But I don't see Alcaraz giving Nadal too much of a challenge at this stage. Don't think he's ready to uh, put a square into Rafa. Um, I'm concerned about the lack of margin on the backhand and how that side might break down when it comes to consistency and Nadal's ability to pin the right-hander in that corner. And Alcaraz's backhand, it's looking a little bit flat and a little erratic to me at this stage. Um, on the forehand side, I just think that um, Nadal is going to be able to extend points and use his movement and his defense to find forehand errors and a lot of unforced errors out of Carlos, who's just not quite disciplined enough in baseline rallies to pull off an upset of this caliber. With that being said, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, a, a clear pick for early popcorn in this quarter. Alexander Zverev is coming off a, a terrible loss to Ilya Avashka in his home country, Germany, Munich to be exact. Um, one that I didn't, I wasn't able to, to watch the full match, but based on highlights, it looked like a supremely passive clay performance by Zverev and uh, a lot of sluggish feet mixed in there as well. Uh, Zverev has put himself in there. Um, when responding to Dominic Team's comments, about finding it difficult to find motivation during this in these pandemic conditions. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it bummed him out that he was playing in his home country, Germany, and there weren't really any fans to cheer him on. Uh, I know that Madrid will have forty percent capacity, but if Zverev is going to be questioning his own motivation publicly right now in the midst of playing, it's one thing for team who's literally coming off of a hiatus. Um, who just, you know, kind of had a ton of success 
in uh, in 2020 and and reached a lot of his goals. It's kind of a, a different thing for Zverev. Not that I'm saying he shouldn't be open and honest. Um, not that I'm hating at it at all. Just saying that it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit concerning at this stage. And uh, maybe he is someone who's really missing the fans and needs that. He's not going to get that here in Madrid. The result is concerning as well. Uh, he wasn't good in Monte Carlo either. Uh, lost early there. Complained of an injury. Zverev's not in good shape at the moment. Yannick Sinner, however, is someone who who I should have hit on because uh, he looms as a possible third-round opponent for Rafael Nadal. Sinner is... Um, was Nadal's training partner in Melbourne for two weeks. He's the guy who Nadal wanted to play with in the lead-up to the Australian Open. I think that's because, well, one, he's a very promising young player uh, who who I think Nadal has uh, a lot of respect for right off the bat. But also, he's got a fantastic backhand. He's the kind of player who will punish Nadal for, for leaving his cross-court forehand short despite the tremendous amount of RPM on that shot. So I do think he presents a good challenge for Nadal, and uh, that is not someone who Nadal wants to see. I still favor Rafa here. I think, still think Sinner, if he's going to... Uh, he's either got to get more mobile, a little bit more crafty, or he's got to beef up his serve a little bit. Right now, he's in a, he's in a stage where... Uh, he's a fantastic offensive baseliner, but in order to use that, you got to gain an advantage in the point, and um, he doesn't get enough of one off of his serve for my liking. Not quite ready uh, to to pick him to make a run here right now. Hubert Hurkacz, this is a good kind of clay court for him. He had a great result here a couple uh, a couple years back. I I forget if it was 2019 or 2018, but Hurkacz uh, went far here once and. Uh, he's someone to watch, not someone who I love, um, but, you know, uh, a decent candidate here. I want to talk about Kei Nishikori. He's my dark horse in this quarter. The Dark horse meaning the unseated player most likely to make a run. And um, Kei Nishikori has not blown anyone out of the waters. He's 8-8 eight and eight in 2020. Um, but he's he's coming off his injuries and starting to get some rhythm, and I just like how much he's played recently. And I just look for Nishikori to start to find his groove just by nature of the fact that it seems like he, at this point, should finally be getting into the match rhythm. And he's just shown some some slivers, some good signs, a win over Christian Gaudin on clay, a win over David Gafan, who, who was in a similar position, a straight set win, by the way, who was in a similar position um, to, uh, to Nishikori in the sense that he's kind of a player who is a former top tenor on the comeback trail. And, and Nishikori got the better of that matchup quite solidly. He's taken sets recently over Rafael Nadal as early as uh, as Monte Carlo. That was a, a really well-played um, second set uh, against Rafael Nadal. Uh, he took a set over Stefano Tsitsipas in um, Miami. And obviously Tsitsipas has been playing incredible tennis. So he's showing me these little glimmers of hope. And obviously uh, we know that Kane Shikori has the potential to be a top 15 player. I don't love the underpowered serve in Madrid. I like bigger servers in Madrid. Uh, but Nishikori is a player um, who's always been kind of decent on clay. It's not his best surface, but I do like him as a dark horse here. Uh, he has a favorable draw. 
with uh, Karen Hatchinov in the first round, potentially, or not potentially, Alexander Zverev would be his second round opponent. Uh, and then the winner of probably Hubert Hercotch and Dan Evans. Upside alert is Alexander Zverev. I outlined that at the top. So there you have it. I'll flash it up on the screen for those watching on YouTube. Rafael Nadal's quarter. To recap, I have Nadal defeating Kanisha Corey in the quarterfinal. The Nishi quarterfinal. That's why I got those words blended. I've never, I've never thought to uh, to come up with that pun. Dark Horse is Nishikori. Upset alert is Alexander Zverev. Early popcorn matchup is Rafael Nadal versus Carlos Alcaraz in round two. All right. Very excited about this next quarter, but really only for one reason. I'm not so excited about the rest of the quarter, if we're being completely honest. Under Rafael Nadal is one Dominic team, the number three seed in this tournament. He is in a quarter with Andrei Rublev, Roberto Bautista Agut, and Grigor Dimitrov. Dominic Team returns from what was originally a foot injury sustained at the Australian Open. Then it became a left knee injury that kept him out of Miami and Monte Carlo and subsequent tournaments that he would have played uh, around that time period. Um, he had a very honest interview that I referenced when I was just talking about Alexander Zverev with Dare to Standard or whatever it's called. Um, that's an, an interview that I covered in the latest mailbag. So if you didn't watch that, keep that in mind. You can watch that after the video. Everything that I talked about in that mailbag is still pretty current. Um, but an honest interview about his... Mental struggles after winning the U.S. Open and just coming down from that high, kind of writ large, and also just the touring during the pandemic, which has been hard for so many people. So, um, how's Dominic team going to look? What's he going to look like? Well, I will say this. This is, it, it, these things are hard to predict, but to me, Dominic team, he's a rhythm player. He's a confidence player. I don't really like team off long layoffs. I don't love team when he doesn't have much, uh, when he's not building upon past results. A lot of people talk about the schedule he plays and how he, he plays too many tournaments and he has throughout his career. I think that has kind of been because he likes to win matches. Everyone likes to win matches, but I think that's like he 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 really needs that rhythm. And he plays a very high-risk brand of tennis. He goes for his shots. And you better be on point. You better have a lot of confidence in order to execute that kind of style. So I think that team might take a little bit of time. We'll see. Hard to predict. I would put like a, a, a yellow flag around those statements uh, because I don't say that with 100% confidence, but that's my gut. My gut is that team's not the kind of player who kind of comes off the practice court for a couple weeks and then picks up like like he didn't miss any time. You know, I, I think we're going to see that in him. Um, in terms of his draw, um, qualifiers isn't over yet. Um, so they have to finish up qualifiers. So I don't actually know who the qualifiers are going to be. 
Um, but he'll play the winner of two qualifiers <laughs> um, in the in in the in the second round. You know that could be uh, Massetti would be our our best case scenario in terms of popcorn. There are some other good ones in there. They're not coming to me in the in the qualifying event. Um, so yeah, Grigor Dimitrov in all likelihood in the third round. That's not terrible. Dimitrov, um, although he, he should like these quicker clay court conditions. Uh, he is, uh, he is not one for the clay. Um, and as you can see, I do have Andre Rublev reaching the quarterfinal here. I think Rublev should enjoy this. I think Rublev should enjoy these conditions. Uh, he should be able to get a lot more out of his first serve, first forehand. And as I've watched Rublev more and more on clay, um, because I, I felt like the sample size was pretty small coming into this European clay court swing, I've uh, I've come to notice that that's where he is most heavily diminished, is that he's just not quite getting that first strike payoff like he does on other surfaces. And it's a very important, very important thing for him to, to get a lot of runoff um, from, similar to, similar to maybe Roger Federer um, in that respect. But especially with the absence of a good kick serve and how flat his service, he's just not getting enough serve plus one. So maybe he gets more of that in Madrid, and I actually do have him reaching the semifinals. Um Dark horse, I put qualifier question mark because I'm I'm not really uh, no one's jumping off the page for me here. Lloyd Harris has had some decent results recently. Upset alert is Dominic team. Early popcorn is Dominic team. Yeah, I just think this quarter is about Dominic team. And to be to be quite honest with you, uh, this is by far the most boring quarter outside of Dominic team. I'm just. I'm not seeing a lot of matchups that I'm really excited for early on. Like, I'll read them off just so I'm really fair. I mean, you know, Tommy Paul, Pedro Martinez against Andre Rublev, John Isner against Roberto Bautista Agut, Grigor Dimitrov plays Jaume Munar or Alex Dimonor. I think it'll be Munar in the second round. I'm just not into these matchups, really, uh, com comparatively. So... We'll, we'll see what happens. You, you never know. Some Sometimes matches are just good and you don't see them coming. But uh, team provides the intrigue here. Let us move on to Stefano Tsitsipas' quarter, the number four seed. Um, the top seed opposite him is Diego Schwartzman. You also have the Canadians, who tend to be in the same quarter a lot of the time. Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliassime. All right, let us start with Tsitsipas coming off a loss in the final to Rafael Nadal in Monte Carlo where he held match point. Coming off a Miami championship, the question is how long can uh, Stefano Tsitsipas keep this up? He's on a tremendous run of form and it's just, you know, is, is he going to uh, feel the effects of that in a negative way? He does have... My dark horse in this quarter, in fact, both of them, looming in his... Oh, no, I'm I'm sorry. Diego Schwartzman has my two dark horses looming in his section. That's Aslan Karatsev 
and Martin Fushevix, Marshawn Fushevix, Monday match analysis's favorite dark horse. Um, enjoys enjoys the retrieval aspect of the clay. Likes to do the running necessary. Uh, also has the pop, the power to hit through these slow clay courts when necessary. So uh, Fushevix, someone who had has had good results uh, or had good results in 2020 at Roland Garros. Um, so I do see him as a dark horse in his section. Um, he will likely face Aslan Karatsev, who has to go through Hugo Umber, who doesn't like the clay in the first round. That could uh, set up Karatsev against Fushevix. Or, or no, Karatsev would play Diego Schwartzman in the second round if he gets through Umber. I think that's extraordinarily dangerous for Schwartzman. Uh, Karatsev beat him in uh, at this year's Australian Open in five sets. I think Karatsev can do it again. I know that this is uh, a better sh uh, surface for Schwartzman, but also uh, Diego hasn't had great results here in Madrid. Um, and I think Karatsev gets the better of that again. Um, Fushevix is right next to my upset alert, Denis Shapovalov, who, let's face it, when Shapovalov starts going downhill, when Shapovalov st starts taking bad losses, it can become a, a very ugly and slippery slope very, very quickly. That's the reality with, with Shapo. We saw him going, uh, we saw him go on that massive, uh, losing streak in 2020. And right now he, he's not quite on that, but he lost to quarantine uh, Mute um, in the first round in Estoril as the number one seed in that tournament. So when you enter a tournament as the number one seed and you lose in the first round, um, you're not feeling great. Barcelona, he got killed by FAA 6-2, 6-3. It's not so much the loss, it's the way he lost. Um, he's someone who whose game is well-suited for Clay in some ways. He has long strokes uh, and a lot of power. You'd think that he would appreciate the extra time, but he's just not comfortable moving. He doesn't play too well on the run on the surface. His footwork is often not good enough to be consistent on the surface, and therefore he tends to struggle. Upset alert, I have Denis Shapovalov. Early popcorn match is that Australian Open rematch for me. Diego Schwartzman versus Aslan Karatsev. Uh, tough match to match to read, but I just think Karatsev, um, this is one of those matches. If it were Rome, I'd go Schwartzman. If it were Roland Garros, I might be more inclined to go Schwartzman. This is the kind of matchup where I'm going to go with the offense because this is Madrid. Again, high altitude, um, worse cardio, ball flying through the air faster, indoor-like conditions. I'm going to go with the offense, the, the higher risk player in Karatsev in this one. But early popcorn should be a great one. Very excited for it. Tsitsipas Karatsev would be another rematch. I feel bad for Aslan if this does come to fruition. And if he loses to Tsitsipas, it would be a shame for him uh, because Stefanos is the player who stopped him in Monte Carlo. Just plays with a lot more margin, defends, absorbs, and uh, has a, a much better all-court baseline game. Right? I'm not going to say all-court game because I'm not really referring to net play here. I'm referring to the ability to um, win from defensive positions is the main thing, really, that Tsitsipas does so much better than Karatsev on the surface. And he can really steal points uh, from a guy like 
like Aslan, who who does a great job at uh, putting himself in dictating positions at a point. But Tsitsipas is going to be good enough to snatch that away and um, play that that high margin offense a little bit more so than Karatsev. He's a more natural clay quarter, to be honest, with with the way he plays. It's going to be a fun quarter. A lot of good matchups in this quarter. Uh, I think it's going to deliver some of the best stuff. Casper uh, Ruud, FAA, good matchup in the first round. Um, Ruud just got smoked by Basilashvili. Oh, Basilashvili, let, let me mention him. If he doesn't have a letdown, he's playing in the final um, tomorrow against... Crap, who's he playing against? Um, let, let me get that for you right now. Um, he's playing in the final tomorrow. If he doesn't have like an emotional letdown... It's a really tough guy um, against Struff. Against Struff. Finally, it's about time. It is about time that Jan Leonard Struff, who is in Rafael Nadal's quarter and um, might could upset Yannick Sinner because he's dangerous that way. Uh, it's about time that that Jan Leonard Struff. I'm picking Sinner though. Let, let me be clear. Um, about time that Jan Leonard Struff's in a final, and I hope he gets a title because he deserves it. Um, Anyway, that, that's the final. Big hitting, offensive, a lot of short points, I'm sure, in that final. But um, Basilashvili is the kind of guy who could end a winning streak or, or uh, end a run of good form for Stefano Tsitsipas. I mean, he's just that dangerous. He's playing really well right now. So shout out to him. There's there's not enough space in the dark horse category, to be completely honest. You have Karatsev and Fushevics. I think a ton of really good unseeded players um, in here. Lajevic is the, the first-round matchup for Shapovalov, by the way. Another tough one for him. All right, let's move on. Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Daniil Medvedev is the number two seed in this tournament, but he is no longer the number two player in the world. Rafael Nadal actually overtook him as of today. Today, I want to say. As I take a sip of water. Uh, Matteo Berrettini is the highest seed here. PCB, Pablo Carreno Busta, and Christian Garin. Um, it's a strong quarter. Got to tell you, strong quarter. Uh, Daniil Medvedev coming off of uh, a COVID, COVID diagnosis. And uh, it seems like from, from rumors, from reports that, that really, they came from his agent. I don't know how strong a, a source this is. I don't follow him on Instagram, so I don't know if he's been posting himself training, but um, his agent said that that he's healthy, training, high intensity. Uh, so so let's see. Theoretically, this this is a more hardcore, like quicker, more serve rewarding uh, clay court event for Medvedev. So maybe this is the event that Medvedev kind of breaks the the run of bad results at clay events. But I'm not really feeling it to be honest. I'm not going to pick it. But I could see it happening. I find his draw pretty tough. And yeah, it's a Masters 1000. So that's kind of going to happen. Um, but Alejandro Davidovich Fakina is my dark horse. Uh, got Just got blown out by Albert Ramos Vinolas. Um, he's not the most consistent player. Uh, but he did make the semifinals of uh, Estoril. He goes for a lot of stuff. He He's a disruptor on the court. Um, so sometimes he bleeds errors. He doesn't have the best serve either, but when he's flowing, 
Um, he can be super dangerous. He's got a great combination of power and speed and variety. He's going to hit a lot of drop shots, so Medvedev has to be ready for that and, and has to be efficient in the way he comes up to net and is alert to those drop shots and how he handles them. Uh, I do have Medvedev getting through uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fikina, um, although I think he's worthy of a dark horse because at some point he's going to make a run. He's going to make a name for himself. He's doing that. He's beginning to do that at the smaller events, and he's won. Uh, he's got a good winning percentage here in 2021. But sooner or later, he's going he's gonna to make a splash, in my opinion. But I'm going to go with Christian Godin um, to upset Daniil Medvedev here. And that's why I have him on upset alert. That's why I have him uh, reaching the quarterfinal. Uh, he's a player who, he's not, he's not the, uh, first of all, he's very comfortable in, in altitude. And some of his best results have been at the South American outdoor clay court events, which are so often at these high altitudes. And being used to that is is a really, really good thing. Uh, Garin is someone who, for for some reason, he tends to play all his matches three sets. I don't know why it always gets complicated. Uh, but he's not like the consistent grinder that a lot of people might try to paint him out to be. Uh, he's someone who has... A lot of strength, high spin rates, especially off of the forehand, really great player on the run, and, and such a natural mover on the clay. That's what makes him really good on the clay. But he is an aggressive player, and um, he's a—I I, I would just be curious to see what he can do against Daniil Medvedev and, and how that contrast of style um, might look. He's got a, He's got a strong backhand as long as it— bounces up for him. Ooh, I, I wonder that because I, I don't like Garin's low backhand. I wonder if Medvedev's backhand will stay stay low enough, thinking out loud here. But yeah, I'm going to go with Garin. Um, more about form than matchup. More about form than matchup. Matteo Berrettini is the player who I have getting through here. I want to, before I get into Berrettini, I do want to mention Pablo Carreno Busta, who's never been past the second round here, which is crazy. It's really surprising to me. PCB is a player who I was thinking about um, picking to go far here. And then I saw the previous results there. They're really surprisingly bad here in his home country. Um, look, PCB prefers hard courts. He's not a clay quarter. Uh, 2021 has began to ch has uh, has been a, a change, and and he's played really really well on the clay. Uh, he has picked up a title in Marbella, and he's played really really well. Um, but I'm gonna go with Matteo Berrettini, who's in his section. I love what I've seen from Berrettini. Came back. Belgrade probably had no expectations coming into that tournament and won it. So now he. You know, I think his confidence is going to be sky high. In terms of altitude, his first title ever was 2018 in Gestad, a tournament that's over 3,000 feet in altitude. So he has a good track record here. He's got that big server, uh, that big serve rather, that aggressive forehand that I love at Madrid that can take over matches. We've seen it before. Matteo Berrettini gets through the quarter. 
um, and he reaches the semifinals. Okay, real quick, final weekend. As you know, I don't talk too much about final weekend. I don't want to get too hypothetical with these matchups that may or may not happen. Three, two, one. Here's the reveal. Nadal versus Rublev. Tsitsipas versus Berrettini. I have Nadal taking out Rublev in three sets. I have Tsitsipas taking out Berrettini in three sets. For Nadal, it would be uh, revenge. It would be payback over um, their Monte Carlo match where Rublev uh, was the victor. Nadal's backhand looked really, really good um, in his final against Tsitsipas. It's excellent, actually, in Barcelona. That bodes well for maybe he can do a better job against Rublev, who is really just picking on that backhand. Tsitsipas defeats Berrettini. It's a tough matchup, honestly, for uh, for Tsitsipas, I'd say. Um, however, I think that this is an instance where the clay court will aid the return of serve enough where um, Stefanos can win some tie breaks and get through this matchup, um, especially with with just the... Uh, he, he can do more. He can do more on the court. And he's definitely someone who can find Berrettini's backhand and come to net. One of the players comfortable enough to, to really do that on a consistent basis. Uh, Nadal Tsitsipas in the final. Again, I think that this is a positive progression for Nadal. I think he gets better. And in this matchup, I actually think that he can win in a rematch of the Barcelona final. I think that he can win in a more straightforward fashion. Despite the fact that Tsitsipas owns a win over Nadal at this very event, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Nadal can um, can win in more convincing fashion the second time around. Uh, just in, in general, vague terms, what Nadal needs to do to improve and to, to have a shot at actually making my prediction come true and, and winning this thing, more than, more than anything else, he's got to serve better. As the week went on in in Barcelona, again, his backhand really sorted himself out. He started really kind of flowing from the baseline, but the serve never got to where it needs to be. Never. From the very, from, from serving it out against Stefano Tsitsipas, it still wasn't there. Uh, so that's what really needs to get better. If it does, I have no doubt that Nadal... Uh, can start to get his first strike tennis flowing. It's got He's got to get more of that going if he wants any chance at this event. But I'm trusting Nadal to uh, continue his positive progression in his form on the road to Roland Garros. And I do think that he captures title number six here in Madrid. So I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe and I will see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.